Welcome to the Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, Live the Big Stuff podcast with New York Times bestselling author, Christine Carlson. Chris shares don't sweat wisdom to help you achieve greater mental health, self-compassion, and better communication with family, friends, and coworkers. Listen in and learn simple ways to live your most vibrant life of joy. Introducing the new You Can Be Happy training course, presented by New York Times bestselling author and podcast host, Christine Carlson of the Don't Sweat the Small Stuff series. Based on the early work of Dr. Richard Carlson, this digital course is designed to help people lead better, happier lives. In this five-module video course, you'll learn the five principles that will change how you live your life and improve all of your relationships. Get ready to improve your life in all ways, from your career, at home, to your health and well-being, and in all of your relationships. Based on the legacy work of Christine's late husband, Dr. Richard Carlson, that has helped millions of people all over the world lead happier, more fulfilling lives, this course will help you stress less and enjoy more. If that sounds good to you, head to our website at happinesstrainingcourses.com for exclusive access to our launch dates and more information. Hi, and welcome back to the Don't Sweat the Small Stuff, Live the Big Stuff podcast. This is Christine Carlson. Before I begin with a very, very special interview today, let's, of course, go ahead and take our golden pause. So wherever you are, sit comfortably. Please, if you're seated on the floor, sit Indian style, leaning back against something to support you. And if you're seated in a chair, just go ahead and uncross your legs and place your palms open on your lap. And of course, if you're doing something, an activity, just use this as a deep breathing exercise to ground you and center you in your breath and in your body. So let's go ahead and begin. Take a deep breath in, breathing in through your nose, allowing your chest and your belly to fully expand, taking in the fullness of your breath. And as you exhale, just go ahead and let go. Let go of any tension you feel go of anything that doesn't serve you. This time as you breathe in, breathe in golden sunlight, pure golden sunlight to the top of your head, to the tips of your fingers and your toes, through your core, all through your body, pure golden sunlight. And as you exhale, just go ahead and let go and relax a little bit deeper. This time, as you breathe in, filling your heart, your head, your body with pure golden sunlight, place your hand on your heart, activating your heart, opening your heart, and just spend a moment thinking of one thing that you feel really grateful for. Be a person, a place, something somebody recently said to you. It could just be this breath that you're taking right here, right now. And as you breathe in deeply, filling your heart, filling your head, filling your whole body with pure golden gratitude, exhale and let go a little bit deeper. And taking another deep breath in, filling your whole body with gratitude and golden sunlight, 
Go ahead and exhale and open your eyes. Oh my gosh, I love those golden pauses so much. They always make me feel so good. Hey, so today we are going to talk with Zoe. And Zoe is a nutritionist and integrative health counselor at the Eamon Clinics. She combines a unique combination of graduate education in both health and psychology that allows her to use a mind-body approach in a deeply integrated way. She is a licensed mental health counselor, has a master's degree in human nutrition, and has completed extensive postgraduate training nutritional psychology. In addition to working with individuals at the Amen Clinics, Zoe is the lead coach on the brain health support site, Brain Fit Life, where she provides online health education and wellness coaching to individuals around the world and has led support groups and taught seminars on emotional eating, whole foods nutrition, stress management, self-care, and others. Well, I am so excited to welcome Zoe in because this is the beginning of our um, Brain Power series about using all the things that we have at our disposal to treat our brain as a special organ in our body, just like we treat our heart, that lifestyle matters to our brain, um, what we eat matters to our brain, and, and all of our activities that we do matter to our brain. So Zoe, welcome. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be with you. Appreciate the honor. Yeah. Wow. You know, I was so excited um, because of an experience I had with a family member that really needed to go to the Eamon Clinic for some depression issues. Mm. Um, that's how I was introduced to the Eamon Clinic several years ago. Um, right. I had some friends, you know, who um, recommended it. And, and then, of course, there's been so much amazing research that has come forward, and it's just become a part of our um, conversation in the health world, in the mental health and wellness world, to talk about the brain and its, and its health. And, and I like to think of it, um, I started thinking of this in this conversation I had with Dr. Amina about um, this family member you know, I, I started to realize that until the brain is really healthy, it's it's hard to implement cognitive therapy. And so I really wanted to have you on to the podcast to talk about the specific things and um, that people can do to promote greater health um, for their brain. And especially, you know, we can kind of have an organic conversation about, you know, some of the issues that youth have, some of the issues that the aging brain has and yeah, so we can kind of start wherever you want to start. <laughs> yeah, great. Okay. Well, I, I talk about this a lot throughout the day, so happy to talk with you. Um, I think when it comes to the brain as the rest of the body, um, we have to think of it from multiple fronts, right? We have to support our health and hopefully optimal health through a lot of different avenues. And nutrition is one of the key ways we can support our brain uh, because we eat all day long, right? <laughs> um, hopefully um, we, we get meals throughout the day, we get snacks throughout the day. So we have opportunities multiple times a day to provide the nourishment that our brain needs in order to function. And I think 
most people I talk to, you know, don't really think about food as anything other than calories, right? They're, mm-hmm. they're eating calories. Uh, they care what it tastes like. They want it to be convenient and quick. And there's not a lot of thought given to the fact that what we take in is essential for our body to function, right? For it yeah. to function well. And the way that we eat, um, you know, if we're eating in a stressed condition, if we're eating um, poor quality foods or pseudo foods, um, it's going to affect the way that we function. It's going to affect the way that we feel, certainly physically, but also mentally, psychologically. Um, and it's going to influence how we behave, how we move in the world, how much energy we have to participate in our lives, um, to have healthy relationships. And so it has this trickle down or domino effect on so many parts of our lives and we often don't give it a lot of attention. Um, So it's wonderful to be able to talk with people about how they can use this, you know, their everyday, you know, meals and snacks to really nourish this organ um, and see the benefit of that in, in all of these different ways that I just mentioned. So yeah, that's so cool. So I was thinking as you were speaking about um, asking, like, what kinds of symptoms, you know, do people come in, you know, like, let's say, what, what are they symptomatic of? Why would they come in and, and want to know what kinds of foods that would right. eat the brain? Yeah. So we're fortunate at Amen that we really look at mental health as brain health, right? So we are using all the tools we can to support people and nutrition is really key in that way. So we we work with folks who are struggling with chronic depression, chronic anxiety, um, panic disorder, um, attention difficulties, cognitive difficulties, um, relationship difficulties, mood disorders of, of other sorts. And so really anyone who's open to looking at food as part of their treatment plan, as part of their support system, um, you know, I'm, I get to work with. And so often that is people with anxiety is a a big one. I would say a lot of people respond really well to um, changes in their diet as it affects anxiety and lowering anxiety. Um, and so that may be one, um, depression is certainly another, and we can support the neurotransmitters in our brain through the types of foods that we eat and what we choose to avoid, um, that's going to inhibit their functioning. So really it's a, it's a wide range of, of folks that come to see us. Um, and, Usually uh, working with any individual is going to be more helpful to work with the family as well, especially for children, as you were mentioning sort of the child piece earlier. You know, often if a, if a child comes in and has a lot of attention difficulties or um, a lot of behavioral concerns, we can look to lower foods that are going to exacerbate mood dysregulation or um, allow Uh, kids to feel calmer so they can sit and focus, right? So we can really influence by the foods that we're eating, uh, how how we behave in our kids as well. So it helps to have the family involved for sure. 
So when you look at a child, do you kind of start to look at like, you, you probably do a full assessment of all the foods that they're eating. And I'll bet you'll find that they're having a lot of um, food dye foods and processed yeah. foods and, and, and things that, um, you know, are, are, are relatively, it's known that these things cause these issues, but a lot of families don't know. And they just sort of they feed their kids things that um, are handy because it's just, let's just face it, it's easier to give in to a child sometimes than to say no. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Like a mother the other day who, you know, she knew her child had um, allergies or sensitivities to certain foods, but really felt like, gosh, I don't want my kid to stand out when they go to a party if they can't have, you know, the jelly beans or the, you know, the gummy bears or whatever. So I just give in. And then, you know, my kid doesn't sleep or my kid, you know, has a real struggle the next day. So, um, yeah, absolutely. It's, it's, it's things that are known and, um, and yet, you know, we really have to work on how to integrate them, how to make them so that they don't feel like some template you're putting on top of your life that's going to make it more challenging, but, but something that really feels integrated and feels like something you get to do, not something you have to do because you start to feel the benefit, right? Yeah. And I mean, I would assume that, I mean, actually I would say like most kids probably do have food sensitivities to all the same things that kids that have dramatic reactions to. It's just that they aren't as symptomatic as maybe somebody who's, who's having a more dramatic reaction, but these are things that all parents can be aware of as far as um, let's, let's talk about some of those foods, like some of the foods that you like to promote for children um, that you find that over, you know, maybe that, that man, many children might be missing? Yeah. So for most kids, you know, the biggest thing is, can we get the fake food out and can we get the real food in? Right? Yeah. yeah get so the whole food just, in. Right. Let's go back to the basics. Let's, um, let's present food to kids, not talk so much about, oh, you need to eat healthy or this is good for you. You know, kids sometimes will, even adults as well, will resist that, you know, I have to do this or, you know, something's good for me. Well, therefore I don't want it, but just present Presenting to kids lots of different colorful foods, so colorful fruits and vegetables, getting them interested in participating when it's age appropriate, so getting them to start to help in the kitchen so that they're more invested in what they've prepared and they're and trying new things. That's a a big part of it. Um, But certainly, you know, most of us are sorely deficient in getting enough vegetables um, into our diet. So we certainly start with where can we where can we get more of those? Can we add them to the eggs in the morning? Can we, you know, combine them into a, um, a pasta sauce that we're making and kind of hide them if the kids are less likely to eat them? Um, but often I find kids are open to um, much more than you'd think, especially if they're part of the process. So if you invite kids to choose something new they want to try when you go to the market or the store, um, if you get them to help you cut them up, you know, if you arrange them in, you know, interesting shapes or you make a, a you know, some sort of picture out of the food, kids are more likely to be interested in being involved. Um, 
Go ahead. Yeah, I think also like what I've noticed about my grandkids is, you know, like they'll have their dinner, then their mom and I will be eating like a really healthy salad. And not that they don't get vegetables. They just, she has like five kids. So she has to make dinner. (laughs) Exactly. For all the ages. But but then I noticed the two younger girls specifically kind of climb in our laps and eat off our plates because they they really like like they want to know what are we eating and how is it different we're eating and and I often will go into the salad bowl and just get them a bowl of salad just to get them off my plate (laughs) exactly right and that's a good point is sort of just modeling that behavior you know modeling that this is what we eat we eat you know real food in our house and I think that's when it's most challenging is when um you know Parents may be trying to change what their children are eating, but they're not necessarily ready or willing to look at what they're eating. And so it becomes very unfair, right, in the household if if the parents or one parent usually is on board and maybe another isn't um, if there's two parents. And so sometimes that can be a challenge, right? But I think, again, getting kids involved can really be um, helpful. So lots of vegetables, you know, some low sugar fruits for sure. You know, kids love fruits. So making it really colorful, making, you know, fruit bowls that are going to be a variety of different um, kinds of fruits. So they're not just getting one over and over. That's something that you can, can really help with making sure that we're getting all the nutrients that we need, all the micronutrients, the vitamins and the minerals, if we're eating kind of the same things over and over, we're missing um, some of those. So, um, you know, most people don't really change that up very much. So just sort of forcing yourself to buy a new vegetable or try, you know, a couple new recipes here and again, then it's, it's helpful for just keeping it feeling sustainable, enjoyable, and also getting a variety of nutrients, which is what we want for our brain. Yeah, that's great. So parents out there, I hope you're listening to this. A lot of the um, childhood symptoms that, you know, we tend to throw medication at and so forth, um, like ADHD and ADD and all these things, you know, you can, you can look toward nutrition and you can certainly, you know, look toward that to help you out before you you know, choose a different route of treatment. Um, I want to switch gears and talk about um, adults and the aging brain, because I think that my audience is going to be very interested to hear what you have to say about, it's probably the same thing, I'm guessing, what we should eat, but I want to kind of get a little more specific, um, you know, give them some real specific foods that yeah. you recommend to, um, you know, say somebody any anywhere from 40 to 65, uh, 68, yeah. 70 years old and onward. Sure. Yeah. So yeah, in terms of vegetables, certainly it's the same, right? But we also want to be really attuned to making sure we're getting healthy fats, right? So, um, you know, the 40 to 60 year olds tend to have grown up in the era when fats are bad, you need to stay away from them. And, um, and we had all kinds of problems as a result. So really encouraging people to eat fats regularly throughout the day. So nuts and seeds, almonds, walnuts, um, Brazil nuts, um, really pumpkin seeds, getting a variety of those throughout the day, um, avocado, you know, wild fish. We want to be attentive to fish in terms of eating low mercury fish, right? So our our seas are unfortunately 
highly polluted. So we have to be cautious of that. Um, but eating wild salmon, eating sardines, eating sole, these are some foods that we can get healthy fats from. Um, in addition to, you know, the types of oils that we're using for cooking, a lot of people are still using vegetable oil or grew up on vegetable oil. We really want to steer them more towards um, avocado oil, coconut oil, macadamia nut oil, some of these that can um, stay more stable at higher temperatures so they don't start to break down and, and um, cause problems. So we, we want to steer you to olive oil for things like salad dressings or if you're going to drizzle it on your asparagus after you steam it. Um, but making sure you're getting healthy fats, that's one of the, the big ones. Um, and the other important piece is getting adequate protein. So um, sometimes people are having a real struggle getting off of sugars and white flours that quickly turn to sugar. Um, and one of the things that can really help with that is making sure that you're getting adequate protein because protein acts as a blood sugar stabilizer. It really helps us to feel more satisfied and we tend not to crave sweets um, and white flowers as much if we're getting adequate amounts. And what happens in an aging person, you know, even as, as young as 50, is you start to um, not be able to break down proteins as well. So sometimes people, you know, maybe will steer clear of proteins or eat less of them because it's harder for them to break it down. So things like digestive enzymes might be helpful. Um, uh, apple cider vinegar before a meal can certainly be helpful for some people. And what about water? Yeah, water's a big one. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> water is, you know, I mean, dehydration causes all kinds of problems, right? But certainly can, can inhibit function in the brain. So water is certainly at least half of your body in ounces of water, you know, body weight in terms of pounds and mm -hmm. ounces of water a day, um, you know, is minimal, but you can also get some water from, you know, fruits and vegetables. So you don't have to get it all just from water, but, you know, you should be shooting for close to that in terms of your, your hydration. And, um, you know, that's what helps flush waste from our system, right? So we've yeah. got to, got to be getting enough to, to help carry, the waste out. And, um, you know, if you don't love water, a lot of people don't love the taste of water, you know, herbal teas are great. You can even, you know, make a pot, put it in the fridge. If you like some you know, alternative to that green tea is great for the brain. Um, lots of polyphenols and antioxidants helpful for brain function. So, you know, you don't have to do just water, but certainly that's a, that's an important piece for sure. Yeah. And I noticed that, um, just when I drink a lot more water, I just, my brain just operates more clearly. I Absolutely. just feel, yeah, yeah, I just feel just so much more clear if I, um, if I drink, you know, I, I try to, I tried to really recently modify my own habits and tie drinking water to just getting up. And yes. when I walked toward the kitchen, I would just get myself an eight ounce glass of water and drink it. And I, I wake up in the morning and I drink um, I put some um, turmeric, this sort of uh, tonic has turmeric and just all these different things in it. And I put it in water and I, I drink about, I'd say about 
20 ounces right when I wake up in the morning and just flush my system before I even have my coffee. And it just feels so good. Perfect. Yes, absolutely. I love it. I love the turmeric. You know, I like to put fresh ginger in water. Um, great for increasing blood flow to the brain. So using some of those in your water is a great way to flavor it. And, and um, you know, sometimes people who aren't interested in drinking too much water will be more interested if it's got that flavor, which is great. Yeah, I love yeah, it. It kind of seems like just from my own personal research, it seems like a really gut healthy um, diet is also really good for the brain, you know, as long as you've got a lot of, a lot of um, healthy vegetables in it. And, you know, I, I'd say like at, at my age, you know, I'm 55 and I'm trying to cut um, my sugar down as much as possible. So I'm more likely to go for berries if I want something sweet, like um, berries or, um, you know, strawberries, blueberries, blackberries, um, raspberries. And I kind of, I don't eat bananas anymore. If I'm going to make a smoothie, I really look at the, um, protein powder, make sure there's not, it's not, doesn't have any sugar in it. Um, right. And protein powders, the, the other thing to be concerned there with is a lot of them have sucralose or mm. aspartame, right? Some of these artificial sweeteners that, that act just almost like antibiotics in the gut. They just, you know, destroy a lot of healthy, beneficial bacteria. And yeah, the gut is absolutely our second brain, if not our first. I mean, you know, most most of the serotonins produced or synthesized in the gut, um, you know, GABA is produced in the gut, all these neurotransmitters, um, you know, they rely on the health of the microbiome in order to uh, be produced, in order to be um, synthesized. So we've got to have a healthy gut. And that's, again, a reason to look for high fiber foods, as you're talking about, um, because those feed the beneficial bacteria. So it doesn't do us any good if we're taking a probiotic, which a lot of people do. Um, if we're not eating the high fiber foods, we're not providing that beneficial bacteria with anything to live on. So we want to really be attuned to both the prebiotics, the fibers, and also the probiotics, which you can get through supplements, but also um, you can eat things like sauerkraut or kimchi, you know, those, those brined vegetables. Um, and there's also some, you know, plant-based yogurts that are, um, are rich in probiotics. So those are really important for keeping the environment of the gut healthy, because then, you know, we're going to have the function be improved and that influences the way that our brain functions because of that neurotransmitter uh, connection. That's so great. And then I was reading in the brain warriors way that there are three um, supplements that every human being should take like every adult. And, and they, they said um, vitamin D omega three and a good solid multivitamin. Yeah. And that even if you didn't do, because I mean, you should see, like, I have like 20 on my counter after I came to the Amen Clinic for brain scan. 
but, yeah, right, right. But um, but if if you you know if you don't ever go to that um that great in depth length, those three things are really really powerful for your brain. And yeah, yeah. I would I would add probiotics to that just because I think it's so essential. Um, you know, getting multi-strain probiotic that is going to, if we haven't had a good start to our life, right? Like, so, you know, a birth, vaginal birth is important for, um, for establishing our, our gut microbiome. Um, if we're breastfed, that helps also, but we're seeing more and more C-section or bottle fed babies. So the, the, um, the environment will be different. And then that might mean that you need ongoing supplementation with probiotics so that we can have more of those beneficial bacteria take up the, the space in our gut. So we're not as susceptible to the pathogens, um, that can get in. That's great. And then can you just briefly describe um, for our listeners what the vitamin D, the omega-3s and the multivitamin actually do for the brain? Yeah. So, uh, you know, vitamin D is uh, almost acts like a hormone. It's less of a vitamin. It's more like a hormone. Um, and it really protects our immune system. So um, it's one of the most powerful um, immune, I would say, vitamins. And we want to, most of us, you know, aren't getting enough um, from the sun, right? Which would be it would be ideal if we could get more from the sun, um, but it helps to produce serotonin. So, um, you know, if we're not it feeling mood, it's mood enhancing. Exactly. Absolutely. It's mood enhancing. And, um, and it's also, um, you know, it, it helps us to feel more alert, more motivated so that serotonin connection is certainly there, but also helps our immune system to function optimally. And when our immune system is not functioning well, we're more susceptible, of course, to infection and infection can lead to brain issues as well. So that, that inflammation that is um, created from infection. So it's a, it's really a, a system. You can't really separate it out, right? So the vitamin D becomes really essential. And most people, especially in the Northern Hemisphere, are really low in vitamin D. And so um, most of us are inside all day. We're not getting out much. So we either need to get, you know, regular um, sun exposure, um, you know, but then there's concern for skin cancer. So there's all of those sort of worries. So taking a supplement is a, is a way to make sure that we're supporting our immune system um, and, and our brain health. And then the omega-3s, you know, there are all, every cell in our body is, um, the outside membrane is made up of phospholipids, right? So we want to make sure that, that those lipids, those fats are healthy ones, that they're not trans fats, that they're not, um, inflammatory fats. Um, so most of us are not, we're eating a really skewed diet of high inflammatory fats. We're eating processed foods, we're eating vegetable oils, we're eating, you know, all of these, um, more pro-inflammatory, um, fats. And so we need to supplement or eat rich, um, omega-3 rich foods so that we can keep that ratio in balance. And we want to make sure that, you know, if we're not able to eat fish a few times a week, um, that we're supplementing um, with, with omega-3s. And then a multivitamin, it's just 
essential for us to make sure that we're not missing any of those micronutrients that I was talking about earlier. You know, most of us don't eat a really wide variety of foods or we tend to eat the same things over and over. Um, you know, that's even if you're eating a whole foods diet, you can still be, um, you can still be deficient or have insufficient amounts of certain micronutrients. And so your insurance policy. Exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly. And so making sure you're getting enough, um, a multivitamin just kind of, yeah, gives us that insurance and, and, you know, Hopefully, um, I know when I hear people talk about getting on you know, multiple supplements as you were earlier, the multivitamin kind of captures a lot of them in one. So it can, it can lower the amount you have to take every day, which can be helpful. And there's liquid multivitamins and there's, you know, we have a great Neurovite that's, you know, just wonderful for the brain. So, you know, there's, there's ways to, to get it in. Well, before we end, can you give us your five or seven top foods that you would like to recommend to our listeners for great brain foods? Mm, yeah, sure. Um, certainly the greens, the cruciferous vegetables, you know, kale, like kale broccoli. spinach, broccoli. Right, exactly. Yeah. Kale, spinach, broccoli. Um, but any of the greens, um, you know, those are what really act almost like sponges and help help us to detoxify all these toxins we take in through air pollution and water pollution and all of the materials we touch every day. The greens are really powerful for helping the body to get rid of that stuff. Um, so the green veggies are great. Um, water, you know, I have to just give a holler out to water. <laughs> make sure, yeah, for sure. Make sure you're hydrated. You know, most people reach for coffee or sugar in the afternoon, reach for a glass of water. It's, it's energizing. Um, it helps to move waste and, and we want to be doing that regularly. Um, uh, the good fats, right? The nuts and seeds, make a trail mix yourself. Um, put some, uh, you know, dehydrated, Uncoconut in there, give it a little flavor, but get some of those healthy fats. Bring that with you throughout the day, and just snack on that between meals. If you, you know, if you're if you're feeling like you need a little pick me up, um, and then um, the you know the variety of proteins, making sure you're getting you know wild fish, pasture raised chicken or eggs. You know, making sure the animals are healthy from what you're eating uh, makes a real big large difference in terms of what nutrients end up in the food that you consume. So that would be um, certainly one you want to, you want to point to. And then, you know, the cooking oils that you're using, making sure you're, you're using avocado oil for high temperature or macadamia nut oil or coconut oil, you know, get rid of those canola oils, vegetable oils, um, really concentrate on the way that you're cooking um, in addition to the, the quality of the food. Um, and then, I, I would just say organic, you know, whenever possible, really think about um, limiting the amount of toxins you're taking in when it's, when it's possible for you to choose, because a lot of it we can't choose, try to limit your exposure to pesticides, to antibiotics through food, which is where most antibiotics are used is in food. So, you know, people get those through the, the animal um, products they consume. So really thinking about the source of your food, I think is, is one of the most important things we can do in addition to just choosing real food, right? Look at your plate and say, did it come this way, right? Did it grow this way? How far removed is it from its original form? Because the further away, the, the generally speaking, the less nutrient dense it's going to be and the less beneficial for your brain and for your body. 
That's awesome, Zoe. You've been listening to Zoe Davis, and you can find out more um, about her at the Amen Clinics or Brain Fit Life, where she provides online education and wellness coaching to individuals looking for that. So, Zoe, I just want to thank you so much for coming on. Um, you've just done a beautiful job recapping what's great for the brain as far as health and nutrition goes. And so I just want to say, you know, this is um, really powerful. You know, what we eat matters to every part of our body. And it, we're no longer living in a time where we should take our brain for granted. You know, our brain is an organ like our heart. We have to treat it with love and care and make lifestyle and health choices that will preserve our brain. And I just want to thank you again, Zoe, for coming on. Um, thank you so much. My pleasure. Yeah, so powerful. I want to remind everyone that I have launched a patron campaign for my podcast. So if you go um, to the podcast, you can hit the patron button, find the link and support this podcast so that I can continue to give it to you uninterrupted without advertising. Um, and I'm just really asking for one to $5 a month. So if you are finding this inspiring and you're learning and growing along with me, then I would be more than honored and appreciative and so grateful if you would consider doing that. So thanks again for listening. Come back again, share this podcast with your family and your friends. And this is Christine Carlson. Don't sweat the small stuff, live the big stuff. Thanks for listening. Do you want to lead a better, happier life? Introducing the new You Can Be Happy training course. Learn the five principles that will change how you live your life and improve all of your relationships. Learn more at happinesstrainingcourses.com.